Welcome to the Kitchen Table Podcast, where the table comes in all sizes, shapes, and styles. Join Kyle and Seth as we explore the journey of food from our field to your dinner plate. The one guarantee is that there will always be a seat for everyone at the Kitchen Table. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Kitchen Table Podcast. It's uh, always a pleasure of mine to be able to be joined by one Mr. Kyle Lechtenberg. Kyle, how are you today? Doing good. Thanks, Seth, for the intro. Uh, Nebraska is very cold and windy as well. And we are just north of Omaha, about 45 minutes. Wow, that's, that's always good to see your smiling face. And, uh, you know, and it's uh, always great to get a perspective that you bring from, mid, from the Midwest with a beautiful family and uh, certainly well-rooted within the agricultural industry. But one of the unique things tonight is uh, we are actually joined with a couple of guests on the Kitchen Table podcast. So Kyle, yours and my kitchen table is certainly bigger, but uh, this evening anyway, I should say, but certainly these are no strangers for, uh, for you and I. We're joined by Mr. Greg Corcoran from Chillicothe, Ohio. I believe that's uh, the southeastern part of Ohio, somewhere in those neck of the woods. And uh, Greg served on the National Young Farmer and Rancher Committee with both Kyle and I. And Greg is no different than you and I, Kyle. He is a father with four daughters. Uh, and uh, always good to see him. Greg, how are you? Doing well here in Southern Ohio. I just put us right in the middle of that Southern Ohio. I don't East or West, just falls due South. That's all we are. Fair, fair enough anyway. So, and then uh, another guest that we have uh, joining us this evening is Mr. John Iverson from, uh, from the great state of Oregon. It's, uh, it's kind of unique. So I'm sitting here looking all four of us. There's between the four of us, we're all middle-aged dads on this, uh, on this podcast set today. And, and, if I'm adding it up correctly, between the four of us, there is 12 daughters uh, between the four. And Greg has four, Kyle has two, I have two little girls, and then John has four little girls, with his youngest being two months old. John, I, it's uh, Whoop, always John, it's are you there? Almost two there we go. <laughs> <laughs> almost two months old. So, yep. uh, John, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, the pleasure is all mine and Kyle's for sure. And I really kind of wanted to uh, want this episode to be fun and upbeat because the Christmas season is here. It's not upon us. It is certainly looking us right in the face. And uh, we're looking uh, at this being a Christmas edition and doing some shop talk. One of the cool and unique things that farmers do is we get together and, uh, and talk shop. And uh, it's, it's a unique aspect to our industry. A lot of those stories may not be true, uh, but uh, they're certainly interesting along the way and, and a lot of fun. And um, as we get started, it, it, our, our, our questions always come in from, uh, from our listeners ask, asking sometimes, well, what do farmers talk about? What do farmers do for fun? When do farmers go on vacation? And uh, ultimately, why do we do what we do? And uh, so those are some of the topics that we're going to look at tonight and cover tonight. And uh, Kyle, I got to start with you. Give me one word that describes agriculture in Nebraska. Okay, I've got to apologize. I'm going to, I was thinking just one word that was at the top of my head. So I was actually going to use sugar cookies because when I got home from work tonight, 
the whole house smelled like sugar cookies and Christmas and wrapping paper everywhere. Just all the smells that go on with Christmas prep. And so I think that is probably a common denominator in Nebraska where um, I would say at our farm and, and in this business, we are, we're all winding down uh, looking for that Christmas Eve to get here and have all the, all the things in place that we can celebrate the birth of our savior, Jesus Christ. So that's kind of my word, not so much to do with the farm, but a lot of fun. Good, good. I like sugar cookies. Uh, certainly like consume <laughs> those. My, my waistline this time of year certainly does not, does not enjoy those. So John, How many of you I, have had trouble with the waistline this whole week? I feel like everywhere I look, there's there's food sitting out on the counter. There's uh, all kinds of things at work, all different types of Christmas type food. I certainly suppose that means that farmers are doing their jobs every single day by putting food on everyone's table. And, and I can guarantee you that we are not the one glitch in the supply chain because there's plenty of supply. It's just a matter of being able to get it from our fields to your dinner plates. And, and uh, one of the easy ways to do that is actually to, to ask Mr. John Iverson. John is a, uh, is a member of the Wooden Shoe Farm in Oregon, and they do a lot of direct sales just outside of Portland area. And uh, John, like I said, pleasure to have you on the, on the podcast today. And uh, I'm just curious, explain agriculture in one word for Oregon. One word right now, I would say wet. Um, I, there was a lot of talk this summer about the drought we were having. We're in a little bit wetter part of the state, but, um, and it quit raining in April and we really didn't see it until about end of September, early October. And then it seems like it switched and it's rained and rained and rained. And we didn't get everything we want to get done this fall just because it just didn't quit raining. And uh, we're you now several inches in the last few days still. Um, you know, cricks are starting to flood a little bit. And it's, it's ironic because you look at the drought monitor and we're still, maybe it's changed this last week, but we were still considered extreme drought. And it's like, man, it, I'm getting stuff stuck in the field. <laughs> like at some point this drought's got to disappear, but uh, we're hoping for some snowpack. They're talking snow here in the mountains and this week and, and next week, and we're getting some right now. So that, that'll help us a lot for next year. You talk like getting stuff stuck in the fields is a big, is uh, kind of a big ordeal in uh, Northern Michigan. I think that's a daily occurrence. Uh, certainly is. And, and uh, one of the other things I should mention as we get started is, for all of us, we've been friends for a long time, and so all of us are enjoying a nice beverage of choice. So as you're listening today or tonight or in the morning, in some cases, feel free. It's the holiday season. Kick back and enjoy this episode. I know one thing, I'm enjoying a beautiful glass of Upper Peninsula wine. Um, Michigan has a pretty robust winery, wine industry, certainly an emerging industry. California is far and away the biggest, uh, biggest winemaking state in the country. They, they grow about 89% of the total wine produced in the United States. And so that's really pretty amazing. So uh, to completely turn the subject, we are also graced with the presence of Mr. Greg Corcoran. And Greg is just a wealth of information in terms of production agriculture and understanding what it really truly means to be just a stand-up individual and in, uh, not only his community, but at the state and then even at the national level. And Greg, it's a pleasure to have you here. And 
I'd be curious to hear what your one word is that sums up agriculture in Ohio. Well, I would say if you were to sum it up right now, it's called breath, breathe. So Ohio, um, we probably, most of us have come off a record crop this year. So it took a lot to get that in the ground. It took a lot to care for that through the summer. And it took a lot to bring all that crop in this, this fall. And a lot of us are, are there's several are still, are still are not done. But most of us have finished. Uh, we finished about two weeks ago. So it's just kind of that time going with the holiday season. Just kind of need to take that breath. You know, you made it. Uh, prices are up. Things are looking good. Um, it brings challenges along the way in other ways. But it's interesting that everybody's just kind of taking that, you know, they're taking that time. You know, it's time to go back, enjoy your families. Uh, it's time to, you know, spend some time and take some time for yourself. Uh, mental health is really important uh, for all of us. I know, I don't think any of us take enough time for ourselves, but uh, this is the time to do it. You know, things are slower. You know, you can still get some things accomplished, some projects that you were, you know, you want to do. But uh, everybody's taking a big breath here in Ohio. Uh, we had a big, big record crop and things look great. Uh, we had a good year. Prices are up. Things are looking good moving forward. So, uh, like I said, you- it brings along other challenges. But uh, I'm sitting here uh, in my house. Uh, you know, my family, they're, you know, surrounded by family, looking forward to the coming couple of days with uh, Christmas, enjoying my, uh, my make, uh, I got four roses bourbon. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm about a rock throw away from the, from the river of Kentucky. So got to, got to support the bourbon con- country down there. Uh, heck, I mean, we even, we even feed the distillers, uh, whiskey distillers to our feedlots. So, uh, full circle, I support the industry and, uh, and enjoy it. Can you talk a little more specifically, Greg, on what you grow there in Ohio? Well, in here, I'll just talk more about my operation. Uh, obviously, Ohio's probably as diverse as every other state. Um, and everything's probably, you know, it can be grown. It has been grown in Ohio. For us specifically, uh, we grow corn, soybeans, which is pretty common um, from here all the way out west. Um, but we also do a specialty crop. And we've done it for about 20, uh, let's see, 32 years. This, this next year will be 33. We've grown uh, yellow popcorn. Um, so it's kind of a unique crop. You know, obviously, uh, it's very similar to field corn. But uh, obviously, you know, if you like movie theaters and you enjoy your popcorn, if you like sitting down with your family and having a nice, healthy snack, uh, that's, that's what we grow. Uh, we, grow about, we grow about 800 acres this year of popcorn. I think all of the committee has enjoyed it. That was on the committee. I've sent everybody some popcorn. So, um it's uh, it's kind of a specialty crop that we've grown. Um, the last three years, we joined with a company actually out of Michigan um, and have grown uh, potatoes in our area. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's new to our area. It's been grown there before. We farm river bottoms. It's sandier. Um, but we do chip potatoes. Um, this past year, we did 800 acres of chip potatoes. Um, and it's just kind of been a, a different crop that we've kind of dug into. It's opened up some other opportunities for us. But uh, so that kind of full circle on the crop side, but also our operation, we have uh, we have a 250 head cow calf operation. We also have a feedlot that um, we sell directly to the customer. So 
um, we're not just raising them to go to go out to the you know the big big processes. We we sold last year thanks to COVID, um, which is kind of a positive out of out of all of that. But uh, there was a food insecurity, and with that has drove demand for locally sourced meat. And for us, we we we've been growing. We've been having custom freezer beef for uh, probably twenty five years. And we really capitalized last year. We sold 83 head directly to customers. We work with uh, probably over 300 customers directly and, uh, and make sure we get them a wholesome, healthy, um, you know, prime or choice uh, level beef. So it's kind of been, uh, it's been a good couple of years on that. And uh, we're looking in, uh, we're actually feeding out even more this year. Uh, we're looking at probably 120 head that we're going to feed out this year. Hopefully uh, be able to fill orders. We've already got 30 or 40 people on a wait list. We haven't even advertised yet. So that's kind of what we're doing here in Ohio and Ross County for our operation. That's impressive. I'm hearing a lot of collaboration between companies and between farm businesses. Seth, we heard a lot about your weather up there, but what what is your, we didn't get your word for the day yet or for the for the month. Well, that's <laughs> the word for the month is probably the same as what it always is, is uh, fast. And there's a couple of reasons I use the word fast is, man, the, the weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas absolutely fly down as we wind down the end of the year. Um, fast kind of dr- drives home a little bit more for me today because I got to watch my oldest daughter compete in her very first swim meet. And uh, it was absolutely amazing to watch that little, not even a little swimmer. Shoot, she's almost as tall as her mama. I uh, got to watch that swimmer compete and uh, just have the time of her life. And it was pretty funny because she uh, she actually got to swim three races. And she was the third leg on her relay team. And they only do 25-yard swims as seven-year-olds. And I watched her chase a young boy down in the pool, chase the young boy down in the pool, he was, he had about a 10 or a 12 yard head start on her and, and she chased him down and passed him at the end. So that was a lot of fun to see. And when I use fast, the other thing is the tongue in cheek because our harvest has not been fast. Um, I'm proud. I've, I said this like a month ago, like, man, you know, harvest is going well, harvest looks good, but no different than, uh, than John Iverson in Oregon talks about, we got incredibly wet and incredibly just bogged down in the fall. And so we're down to our last 20 acres and we had to wait for frozen ground. It is currently about 19 degrees here in in Michigan with about 20 mile an hour winds out of the Northwest. So frozen ground is here. Finally. Um, Luckily we are way, way behind on snow. Typically in a typical year, we would have anywhere from 24 to 30 inches of snow cover already. Um, my dad in the upper peninsula had something like 36 to 42 inches on the ground. It's just unheard of when John Iverson's talking about snowpack in the mountains, that's really important. And we, and that should be something that we talk about just to touch on is why snowpack is important because ultimately that delivers irrigation water and drinking water to the residents of the Western United States. And Colorado plays a very, very important role as part of, um, uh, as part of a series of rules called the Colorado Compact that delivers, that basically ensures that seven states receive equal amounts of water from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And they use that through naturally occurring streams, reservoirs, canals, and some different sorts of conveyance processes. So 
lots of lots of importance with uh, paying attention to the snowpack, especially as we emerge from a really really um, high danger in terms of uh, of a fire season. And so that's important to keep our eyes on. So, gentlemen, one thing I kind of want to talk about tonight is um, looking at why we really do um, the the things that we do and. In terms of farming, and I understand that we all have a, of a passion for agriculture in a different way, and, and I'm really proud to have you three on a panel uh, just because I, I trust all of your guys' thoughts and recommendations and uh, really want to get a better understanding of some of the things. And John, real quick, uh, tell us a little bit about Wooden Shoe Farm, and you're, are you guys are fourth or fifth generation, if I remember right? And uh, love to hear about sixth generation, maybe love to hear about that. No, we're not that far. We're, we're actually, I'm actually third generation. Um, and we're actually, we're pretty diverse. We have a bunch of different little businesses. So um, I'm technically employed by and, and part owner now of Iverson Family Farms. I farm with my dad, uh, two uncles and an aunt. But then we also have Wooden Shoe Tulip Farm, which is our agritourism uh, part of the, the farm, which uh, we grow 35 acres of tulips, a um, little bit different than most crops. We plant them in the fall and then we'll harvest them in the spring. Um, so it's been a good rotation for us because we can almost get two seasons um, for us. Um, you know, normally it's a one season, uh, anything we grow, but tulips gives us an opportunity to grow something in the wintertime. Um, so that, that is a big part of our business. We'll see 170,000 people come through the farm. Um, Tulip Festival starts mid-March and goes to about May. Um, we, we, we've, we've rotated I- and, and, and changed quite a bit. So we used to really, originally we got in for bold production and then we kind of switched to wholesale flower production. And that wholesale flower price just never changed. And so we, we had to figure something else out. We had to get really niche or get really big and we decided to get niche and go agritourism. And um, now we, we don't sell any wholesale. Um, we sell more direct to consumer and then really keep the flowers in the field for people to come look at um, where we used to sell. I, I like to say that we Safeway was our biggest customer. So Safeway Denver was our biggest customer. So we ship flowers to Colorado, but I couldn't get in the Safeway Woodburn, which is our local Safeway. Um, it, it was just kind of a funny thing, you know, they, they push local, but if you're not the cheapest, you know, local isn't that important to some of these big grocery stores sometimes. So that's so just a little bit of what we grow. That's, that's pretty cool. And um, so kind of a, kind of an interesting question as a follow-up. Um, John, I know you're pretty well on a lot of things. Have you started Christmas shopping yet or no? <laughs> so I, that's my wife is amazing. <laughs> um, my wife has do done all the shopping. Um, she lets me know <laughs> what we did. Um, I've, I've had a lot of travel. So um, I currently serve as the chair of the American Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee and uh, served with you guys. Um, and as you know, last year with COVID, we didn't have to travel and travel finally opened up. And so my fourth daughter was due November 3rd and our first in-person meeting since I've been on the committee. So I've been on this committee 18 months, finally get to be in person was November 4th. (laughs) So uh, luckily we were able to host it in Oregon, in Portland, which is 45 minutes from my house. Um, We actually had the baby 
um, a few days early. So I got to spend some time at home before I took off. And then um, really, since we had the baby, I, I've been doing a lot of traveling. And so um, I have to give a lot of credit to my wife. I know we all have great wives here. I've, I've met all your wives. Um, but she's really held the fort down and, and really covered for me. Um, I had the great opportunity to go visit Greg um, about a month ago. And I got to tell you, Greg, this is great. So um, I went and visited Greg. I'd never been in a combine harvesting corn because uh, we do grass seed and we've done sweet corn, but it's a different process. And so it was kind of a, a bucket list thing for me to go sit in a corn combine. But um, we were driving and he was showing me fields and he showed me a popcorn field. And there's what we call lone soldiers out there. So like three or four stocks that got missed by the combine just standing out there by themselves in this totally harvest field. And so we went out there and uh, got to pull some popcorn uh, cobs and, and I took them home and my kids were so pumped <laughs> to pull popcorn seeds off the cob and, and put them in the air popper and pop that. So uh, that's that the best thing I've got to bring home is, is uh, corking popcorn straight from the field. In the second that, I think Greg's popcorn is one of the yeah. best things I've brought home too as well. <laughs> Yeah. In, in Michigan, we don't call those lone soldiers. We call those duck and goose hunting blinds because <laughs> we get to hide in those. <laughs> so in, uh, in, in Michigan, than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in Michigan, we're doing, when we do corn silage, it's a lot of times before the insurance adjuster will come out just to see what the yield is. And as I'm running the chopper, I'll usually like, I'll look for a, a spot where it may be a low spot in the fall where we'll get some ponding of water so I'll, I'll like harvest around it and then I'll pull out with the chopper and then leave like eight rows of standing corn about 50 feet long. So that way I have a place I can sneak back into when the ducks and geese start flying later on in the year. So um, now, Greg, John touched on a really important subject about how important wives are in our in our line of work. And then in just about how all four of us have absolutely amazing individuals that we have the chance to be able to walk with throughout the rest of our lives every single day. And, and I know your wife, Teresa, she is an absolute rock star and she's so much fun to be around. And, and, uh, I'm sure that she does the vast majority of your Christmas shopping then also, but I'd be curious to hear about some of that process for you. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, we've, it's a really busy time we've had for the last and never and it's never slowed down especially for me as much as uh you know the grain operation is important it takes up a lot of time but as soon as we get down to the grain operation it's it's all all hands on deck for cattle and that's my my responsibility for the farm so i've been just as busy and uh, putting in just as many hours as what i was doing when harvesting so um i she's a saint i've said that before and uh, she's done all the shopping for all the kids and for me, at least I hope so. I don't know if I deserve anything, but uh, I, I have always made it a point that I, I get, I try to get things for her and, um, and I try to wrap it. And so, you know, I spent two hours last night. Look, I suck at wrapping. Okay. I, I don't know if any of you guys are good at it, but like it, it's a struggle. And so like, I hate it. Like she, she enjoys it. And so it's like a therapy for her. And for me, I can't understand because I'm doing, I spent two hours on it last night. I'm like, this is a complete waste of time. I'm going to put this in a bag. I'm going to put a bow on it. But I took the time. I did it, you know, at 10 o'clock at night and uh, just to get it done. So it's just, uh, 
I, I try to take a little pride, at least, at least get her, you know, try to get her something. So <laughs> that's what I do. But uh, I'm sure everybody, you know, you, you try to find little ways to make, uh, you know, to make it worth it, make it, make her show that you still care. And I think all of us are busy um, and we find we do a lot of work either on the farm or, or, or with Farm Bureau. We take a lot of time for that. But I know that I try to make make time for her and um and if that's including her in farm bureau events and, or if that's taking a day and say you know what i'm going to get the kids off to the grandparents and i'm going to take her out i we did that two nights ago it's uh, it's important and uh, uh you know as much as we work i think that shows that when you take that time it's how much it shows how much you appreciate you know your spouse and so it's uh you know you got you got to take that time and um, sometimes they, they do a good job reminding you that you need to do that. And, but I'm sure that all comes with the territory. So I'm sure y'all share these stories. I sometimes have the trouble of shutting off the farm when I'm at home. Like if I'm sitting with the gift wrapping going on and, and like, even at supper tonight, I was having a glass of wine with my steak, which we cooked. I think I filled you in. We cooked a lot of steak tonight. And uh, so Anyway, it was kind of like I was kind of staring a little bit off and Tiffany's like, hey, you here? Are you here? <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am here with the family. And it's like you don't want to be that way. But sometimes, you know, that middle aged dad bod that I am kind of actually I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm a young dad. And uh, <laughs> I see your face, Greg. I don't like that. <laughs> But, you're, the, you're not the youngest one here i'm sure that oh i think i'm probably the oldest actually you are you're right. only as young as you feel so, well and Kai, you said something that really like touched me like it, it used to be really hard for me especially when the farm was struggling i'd come home and my katie would always ask how was your day and it was like i don't i don't want to talk about it like i i want to come home and just totally forget about farming and like let's just enjoy being home and I, I think that's a, an important role they play is they, they know a lot of times farming, there's a lot of roller coasters, there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs and they do a very good job of, of being your rock of, I come home, I need to forget about what's happening at home at the farm because it's hard to turn it off sometimes. And you, that, that point there, I, I really, yeah. I've consistently battled that and it sometimes I'm better than others and it it it, it does cycle back and forth and um, you just you try to be as present as you can my brother always talks about just being present you know just wherever you're at try to be there and be fully there and I, I think often the farming community battles that problem and well you know well in, in my you know for me it's a little bit different because i married the dairy farmer's daughter and and so it some of our conversations when when Lindsay and i first started dating she she didn't want to talk about work about careers about farming she just wanted to talk about us and then life and how that would look and and that was kind of the case for a long time and then the farther and farther we get into it, we see uh, we see some of the trials and tribulations, the roller coasters, like John says, with with the farm. And I've become more and more of a helper, I guess. And then 
both of us still serve farmers every single day. And, and case in point, so one of the tough things is having those conversations that that are just difficult. And so there was a storm last week and Kyle, you and I had touched on it about how we were going to see some really heavy winds. And that storm reached from Mexico to Michigan and it was high winds and all over the country. And, and so uh, Lynn's got, Lindsay got a phone call on Thursday morning at like five 30 in the morning from one of her farms, well, from one of her farmers that, that she's a milk inspector for. And he says, Hey, uh, I've had a mass casualty event of my cows and because I had a power pole tip over and electrocute all my entire herd. And that was, that was the wake up call. We didn't have electricity at our house. We had multiple trees come down in our yard. And that was how she started her day was, Oh my goodness. Are you okay? She has both of our girls in bed because we had 70 mile an hour winds. And she's instantly worried about, this one individual. And so that was at like five 30 in the morning. And she was on, she was at the farm by eight o'clock working with that guy and talking that guy through some of the, some of the aspects and some of the hurdles and some of the challenges that he was going to have. And what a catastrophic event. And it just happened to be one of her dad's best friends. And those are the phone calls that, that as farmers that we get 24 hours a day, Kyle, you and I had interviewed, um, the one young lady from uh, Kylie Epperson from Missouri. Missouri. She talked. Yep. She talked about the same aspects where the agriculture they had a industry, hog farm, hog barn burned down. I think. Yeah, yeah, and they talk about we don't shut down uh, because while we may be farmers, we're people and we're friends and we're we're neighbors. But more importantly, that we want to be part of of a community. It's funny that she said that we don't shut down, but at the same time, I kind of want to go back to what Greg said and say that that rock at home, that wife or, you know, whatever is your rock in your community or your family, we have to find that time to shut down. We had something weird just two nights ago. We had a cop roll up to our feedlot home and probably about this time of night and I was actually in the basement working out and Tiffany answered the door in her night robe. The kids are still up. Everybody's just kind of lounging around the house, except I was in the basement and we get a, and we would never normally get that. And this gal fully cop geared up had a, uh, she, she had a ticket with our address and wondered about a truck that needed um, I think when you buy a truck from state from a different state, they have to inspect it. Does that sound familiar to any of you guys? That's a total shop talk thing. I we've had to do that. If you buy a semi truck or a dump, this one happened to be a dump truck. the The local cop has to inspect it. And I thought it was really odd. But t- talking about being on guard and always being aware, it just seems like when you let your guard down on the farm something comes up. And so I probably spent like 20 minutes of my evening talking this gal. Like I've, I'm kind of new to this area. So I didn't know the the name on it didn't match us. None of the, the entity on it didn't match one of our, you know, farm entities. And so nothing matched up. And I, I got done with that at night at dark. And I was just like, well, this was the weirdest stop I've ever seen. And it was just like one of those things like, yeah, it wasn't a hog barn that burned down. It wasn't a catastrophe, but it was kind of like, 
you, you think you can let your guard down and then a cop shows up at your house fully flashing lights. And it's like, don't they do this from like eight to four? Like, isn't that a normal courthouse no. thing to do? I can, if you, if you asked my mother growing up, she would tell you the police officer, police officers are definitely out there more than eight to four. Um, oh yeah. No. <laughs> yep. Given what, given what time she may or may not have been called at different times. Yes. That, that definitely they work 24 hours a day. And they but do a very fine inspection. Job. I'm talking for a courthouse truck inspection for a farm truck or a, you know, manure hauling truck. It was, it was just a really weird time of the day. Like, ma'am, I'm sorry. It'd be easier to do in the light. What's that? It'd be easier it's, to do it in the light. Right. I was like, how are you going <laughs> to inspect this said truck? That's not our truck in the dark. Like you're going to freak like, whoever else out that, that had this ticket and it's like i and then i didn't think of any of that until she left i was really polite and i told tiffany i was like that was that was weird like i almost wanted to call 911 to double check that it wasn't like somebody pranking us or you know prepping to do a burglary or something it's it's i don't know it was just a really weird truck story you uh you touch on an interesting point and and one thing that I hear from our listeners a lot of times is talking about some of the stories that we may have from farms and it, it's kind of cool. I mean, not all stories are doom and gloom. There's a lot of really funny things that just happen at the farm every now and then you're like, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and move on. And I'd be curious. I mean, if you gentlemen have any stories that our listeners would find amusing or that, uh, I mean, that you guys, I guess, find interesting that from your time on the operation, I mean, I can tell you as a kid growing up, I mean, we'd always try to grab our, grab our nearest friend and, and then try to connect the fence with a hot wire fence just to see who could hold on the longest. We'd do things like that. Uh, but I mean, and that's, that's all pretty innocent fun. Greg, down to, I, I always find it interesting. You, you never know. So I don't know how I inherited this on the farm, but I'm the HR guy. And so I, you know, like hiring, uh, firing, dealing with, you know, HR issues. And so I am the group therapist for every employee. And I'm telling you, um, I'm not qualified for this. And, but you sit back and you, I, it never fails. I, we've been through a lot of employees and, and I, it just seems like I must be that guy that says, I want you to tell me your life story and everything that's going on with your life and all the people, you know, and everything that goes on in your life. Like I need to know that apparently. So <laughs> I'm a guy of silence. Like I, 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 I sit in the truck. I don't mind turning off the radio and just sitting there silent. So, I, you know, most of the time, like it's the first week and there's a new guy, like he's in my truck. And of recent, I've hired somebody that just, whew, I know, I know more about him than I know probably about my wife. I mean, I just know everything. <laughs> they, they just, it's just like an open book. And it's funny because you just, you, you know, everything. And it's like, I, I don't, need to know this information i don't need i i don't but it's funny you just you sit back and and you sometimes your heart goes out to some of these people you hire because they, they've had a rough life 
Um, other times you just shake your head and say, I don't know how you're alive, but uh, it's, it's just funny. You sit there and think about, I'm a farmer. I came here to, you know, kind of just, you know, just, just farm. I, I, you know, be out there in the tractor and, and, and completing projects and getting things done. But here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a therapist. Greg, I, I, you I might be. I, I, every day I go, go through somebody's life story and what they're dealing with. And I got to sympathize with them. And every, I mean, it's, it's just funny. Some people like to share a lot of information. You might be more of their rock than you realize, you know, and you're in <laughs> the job, the job that you're providing them might be something stable in their life. That's you know. true. And you think about that, how many, I mean, I work more with my hired hands. I spend more time with my hired hands than I do with my, my, my kids, with my wife. I mean, hourly. I mean, it's not even close. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it, you probably have put something with that is that, yeah, I may be that stability that they need or that constant that they need. But, right. Uh, I, you know, it's, 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 you know, you, sometimes it's okay to joke about, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not a therapist, but uh, here I am. Uh, John, my, you play, you play a similar role too, don't you? Don't you do some of the HR? I think any young person in a family business gets thrown into that position. Uh, you know, Greg, All told. Greg and I are very similar. Greg farms with three uncles. I farm with two uncles and an aunt my father and he farms with his father and the first thing i was thrown into is we need to have farm meetings you need to run them because everyone gets along with you um because you're new <laughs> and uh so yeah no it not an easy task you know everyone thinks oh you're farming with your family is great and, you know sometimes family is usually your biz- biggest obstacle on the farm is everyone wants the same thing, but everyone has a different way to get there. And, and you got to try to bring everyone on the same page and it can be difficult. And, uh, there is one, so I'm doing this and I feel like we're making progress. It's, it, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's easy, but biggest problem on our farm is communication. And we had, we had a banker one time. He's like, Oh, I, I, I'm really fascinated by family farms. I'd love to come to one of your family farm meetings. And so he came out to one of our family farm meetings and we had what I thought was a pretty good family farm meeting and we get done. And he goes, that was the most awkward situation I've ever been in. And I was like, that went great. Like you should have been here two years ago. Like, um, but it, it, I, I sympathize with Greg because we, we, we finally got in the spot where we do have an HR person where it's not me, but I think our generation gets put in that lot because we can relate, we can listen. Um, a lot of times it's just keeping your mouth shut and just hearing someone. They just don't have someone to talk to and you're that person. And like, uh, we've got great, great employees that they're family to me. Um, and yeah, no, I heard a lot of times you're, you're hearing stories that you might not want to hear, but they got to tell somebody and you happen to be the person. I right. you said something there. I really like, you know, treating them like, family. I think that culture is good in any business, any farm and any out of farm business. That's something that resonates with me. We used to sit uh, at a farm in Broken Bow every, every morning at seven, I think it was seven or eight. I can't remember for sure, but I would, I would, was doing some kind of contract work with this farm and looking at some transition stuff. And they, the owner was about 75 years old. He's probably 80 now, but 
he had a meeting every morning and like 13 people would be in this like room, which only fit 15 people. Maybe they had a coffee pot and every so often they would have like, they would have some, you know, a little, <laughs> I think that came later in the day, but, uh, in the, in the morning was donuts or, you know, maybe someone would bring something. And those first couple meetings that I sat in a good, it was just like, like so awkward. Like you would literally sit three or four minutes with nobody saying anything. <laughs> and at that time I didn't have any, I didn't have authority. I was there more learning and, and listening to, and so it was an interesting dynamic, but really along the same lines of there is something about that face-to-face -face and togetherness that even if they're not family is, you know, you can kind of create that culture. And sometimes with family is the hardest to get that communication through. And, and so hey, that's always a constant thing to work on. Well, case in point with that, I, I, so when I started buying seed for the farm, seed and fertilizer, it was, my father-in-law is, and we can all attest to this, we all have individuals on the farms that are the absolute hardest working people that we have ever met. And I don't know if, I don't know if my father-in-law knows what an 80 hour work week looks like because he only works hundred hour work weeks and, and he's seven days a week and doesn't shut it down and can't turn it off. Well, so I told him, I said, Hey, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy, look at the seed and fertilizer and stuff for next year and see what you see what's going on. And so I sat there and, and bought seed for the very first time. And I get this printout and it says, Hey, by the way, your seed, not including alfalfa is going to be something for just corn. It was going to be something like a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, Oh my goodness. That's a lot of money. And I, so I remember just like shaking, shaking my hand as I, as I handed him the sheet and he goes, he looks at it in one second. He goes, well, you saved me money from last year. I guess it's not all that bad. <laughs> and so that was just a confidence in, in the, that conversation and knowing he, I mean, he had seen it basically for an entire life. And so it was, uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun to be able to see and, and experience. And I, I look at some of those conversations sometimes that they're not, they're not easy to have. I mean, John, I think you had talked about just the communication aspect makes it, you know, is always difficult. And, and that's true for a lot of things in, in life where, where having the ability to have a conversation, um, we all kind of touched on having those conversations in the household with our spouses and, and certainly our family, they may not be easy, but they're really important to have. And, um, yeah, we may all have to play HR every now and then. I mean, I'm, I do the HR stuff at my office for the most part and, look at the growth of those relationships and those conversations that can occur from that and really realize that you can make a very positive impact on those people's lives. So a lot of times we will do kind of a summary, but I want to do a round Robin to kind of close us out for the evening. Greg, what was the biggest take home that you had tonight? And then also that you could tell our audience going forward biggest take home I've had tonight is that it takes, you know, sometimes you just need to take that time um, to, to, to spend with family, friends like tonight. And we're all friends around this, around this podcast, around this, uh, around this table almost. And if you don't take the time 
to to do that you you know you're 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 cutting yourself short you're you're gonna just keep pushing yourself i know for farmers that's just kind of what we do we like to put our head down and just keep pushing forward but if you don't reach out talk to people um you kind of just put yourself in a rut and you never really get out of it so that's kind of my biggest takeaway is that it you know you just need to take time uh take the time to do those things um and i i'm happy to spend the time tonight uh and to, to enjoy time with friends and so very I, well said that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you couldn't have said it any better greg that was awesome just like your opening john how about you what what is your biggest take home and then your outward message yeah i i think i think the biggest thing is no matter how big you are, or what you grow, or where you're from in this country, if you're involved with agriculture, we're, we're so similar. And that that's the thing that blows me away is you go being in the position I'm in and getting to meet people from all across the country is we all have the same challenges. We have the same issues and we have the same successes. And it, it's not really crop related or anything. It's, it's, we all have the same experiences with our family and the, the operation and Farming isn't just a career. It, it is a lifestyle. And it, I don't think unless you're in it, you fully understand of what a full time commitment it is. Um, you know, you live, breathe and sleep it. And, and thank God for awesome wives that are our rocks, because I don't think any of us could do it without a strong, strong support system at home and, and family. And I think Greg, you know, it on the head is just, it's as much as we work and focus on what we're trying to do, if, if you're not taking time to spend with your family, I mean, you're missing the point. Um, I'm just, again, excited to be talking with three friends on here that um, I, I really appreciate and that have become also another rock in, in my life. Oh, definitely. I, I can second that. You guys, as a committee, as a group, as friends, um, as, have become a, a second family to me as well. I'll just uh, run through. I, I heard a couple things about collaborating earlier on and then just that communication with family and then just echoing time and, you know, the similar stories that we all have shared that we share and have shared with each other. Uh, Greg, or sorry, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say I'm here. Uh, between the yellow popcorn and the bourbon. Uh, what is your uh, Facebook or do you guys have a web page or a Facebook um, page that you would like to put out there? Yeah. So um, our farm as corcoranfarms.com. You can go on there. That's our website. Um, same thing with Facebook. And that's that that's our really kind of our freezer beef is Corcoran Farms freezer beef is our is what we use for for marketing our beef. Um we have a Instagram account that our uh, Teresa and I use kind of to showcase our, our, our Ohio farm life. This Ohio farm life is what it's called. That's uh, at this Ohio farm life. And we kind of showcase our family, our farm, and uh, kind of our journey through, through agriculture. Very well. Seth, how about you? Let's uh, what do you have for a closeout tonight? Well, it's, for me, for me, there's never, there's never a bigger joy in life than to be able to sit and converse with friends and family and, and people that I trust, not only within the industry, but people that I trust their judgment and their concepts of life. And then 
I love the fact that the four of us on here have 12 daughters between the two of us or between the four of us. I think, I think that's pretty remarkable. I, yeah, I, I was, uh, I made the comment, I made the comment to John the other day that, man, we all need to start planning for some weddings because they're going to get pretty expensive. And John's reply back to me was good thing. We have a wedding venue. <laughs> so uh, I know that John, John does a whole bunch of online sales and also they have some very, very good wine and, they also have some hemp sorts of products that that John had sent me when I was having troubles with my hip from from working out, and I they worked. I loved them, uh, and probably going to be ordering some more of those from there. And and so certainly look those uh, at the wooden shoe up. I think John is at the correct website. Yeah, wooden woodenshoe.com, and also redbarnhemp. Dot com is another industry we have. We do our own CBD products. And right. Stuff. Let's let's put both of those up on our Facebook page at the end of this as well. I think that'd be yeah, a good I agree. Idea. I agree. And that and that was that, that was exactly where I was going to go with it next. Kyle and I've been doing this together for for well, basically for a quarter of the year at this stage of the game. And and I always value his uh, his conversations throughout the course of a week. And and. Life's never, life isn't always easy. Life, life can be a challenge, but life is an absolutely amazing experience. As long as you have the chance to experience it with absolutely phenomenal spouses, all four of us certainly married up in life. And that was one of the things that Kyle and I had talked about early on in our podcasts. But then I feel genuinely that I have always been able to make friends with people that, that truly enrich and make my life better. And it's certainly a joy to be able to sit with all three of you around our kitchen table for this, for this, certainly this podcast and, and to enjoy this, the, the Christmas season and to be able to enjoy each other's company. A lot of us are wrapping up the fall season and, and certainly uh, looking forward to the turn of the, the turn of the new year. And uh, you know, really from the bottom of my heart and uh, from all of you, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and certainly wish everyone for a happy new year. As uh, and then enjoy the enjoy the weekend's festivities wherever they may take you, uh, gentlemen. As we close tonight, I want to say cheers to all of you. Uh, hold your glasses high, hold them proud, and uh, I will catch all of you uh, at the, after the first of the year. And uh, join us for future episodes of the Kitchen Table Podcast. Kyle and I bring them to you weekly, where there's no table that's too big, no table that's too small. But we always guarantee that there's enough seats for everyone at the table. And uh, thank you. Until next time.